0: Welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Brother Nelson. This is Praise Jesus Christ Ministries. We're going to be reading from the Holy Bible. This is the first book of the Bible, the first book of Moses, the Holy Book of Genesis. Genesis means in the beginning. Bereshet in Hebrew. Let's go, in Jesus' name. Chapter 1. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Whenever you see Spirit of God with an uppercase S, a capital S in spirit, it is referring to the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit throughout the whole entire Bible. Verse 3. And God said, let there be light and there was light. He spoke everything into creation. Again, when you see an uppercase G, or a capital G on God, it is referring to the one true living God, which is Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Ghost, which is God the Father. There's only one God. God is triune, one God. Okay. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. In Hebrew tradition, the way God has created the day and the night, the night is the beginning of the day. This is why in Hebrew tradition, when they keep the Sabbath, it's from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Even though we know, those of us who follow the scriptures, That the Sabbath is a foreshadow of Christ himself. Jesus is the Sabbath. We are not to idolize a day of the week. Amen? Verse 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. Whenever God declares, proclaims, and speaks something, it is so. You're not going to speak against it. You're not going to make it not happen. It's up to God if he wants to change things. God throughout the Bible has said one thing, and he decided that he was going to be merciful, or, or he decided to change his mind and deal with humans a different way. And as many circumstances like this in the scripture, sometimes it is contingent, meaning it's based upon people's repentance. There's uh, kings who have repented and God extended their life, even though he said he told the prophet that judgment was going to come to this man. There's many examples like that. But then there's other examples where God says, you know, this is going to happen and it happened and no one could do anything about it because it was prophecy. It was going to come to pass. Prophecy is something that is is going to happen in the future. It's prophetic, meaning it's spoken in the past or present tense, but it's going to happen in the future. A lot of the main prophecy in the Bible is the first coming of Christ, the first coming of the Messiah, the Savior, not only of Israel, but of the whole entire world who would redeem us from our sin, and sinful nature, the Adamic nature, the nature that came from Adam, from living in a fallen world, and from the sin that they committed in the Garden of Eden, okay? Um, Verse 8, and God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, And let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good. Notice at the end of every, God is creating something. Whenever he's creating something, he's saying, it's good. This is what the scriptures are saying. He saw that it was good. It was good. It was good. It was never bad. It was never intended to be ugly and corrupt and defiled. That's what sin does. Sin corrupts, defiles, and makes his creation bad and ugly and unpure, unclean, because it takes it out of its purpose. The problem in today's society is is people, human beings, they're demonized. They make the human body, the human soul, defiled. Their spirit needs to be born again. It's already defiled. We make through science sometimes animals in the animal kingdom and even uh, the nature around us, we make it defiled because people do stuff like gene splicing and um, growing genetically altered crops. God didn't create fruits without seeds. Men have done that through science and it's unnatural because a seed Is so that something would reproduce itself. That's just one example of how men have messed up things in nature. A lot of the food we eat is processed and whatnot. That's why you got to pray over your food. Let's keep reading. Um, Verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind. Wow, I just mentioned this. Whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God wants creation to be reproductive. He wants oranges to make more oranges. Can I get an amen? He wants human beings to make more human beings. Even though it's him that forms and fashions us in the womb of our mothers, he is the creator after all. He is the master. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. He's everything. But he wants us to experience his procreation as we procreate. Isn't that awesome? Verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. This is why we have sun, moon, stars and stuff like that planets. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and it was so. Verse 16. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, that is the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night, that is the moon. He made the stars also. Often when you read the Bible, stars sometimes it refers to actual Angels, whether it's holy or fallen angels. Stars refers to angels sometimes in the Bible. Jesus is called the bright in the morning star. Um, Satan, he's a fallen angel. In the occult, they do rituals with upside down stars. They call it a pentagram. It's a five pointed star, but they use many different pointed stars. They use six, seven, eight, nine, ten pointed stars. pentagram, decagram, octagram. Octagram is eight point. Decagram is is a 10 pointed star. Uh, You're not supposed to be like super paranoid and afraid of stars because I mentioned this. It's just a fact of reality. Um, You want to abstain from appearances of evil. You don't want to walk around upside down stars and stuff as a Christian. It's just that simple. Um, Also, People associate the devil with uh, Jupiter, the planet, and Venus and Saturn, uh, because we're talking about uh, when you read the Bible, they refer to him. It refers to Satan or Lucifer or the devil as the prince of the powers of the air. Um, he works with music. Uh, this does not mean all music is ungodly. There's there's there is godly music. It, what's the spirit behind it, right? When it comes to space and the stars and the moon and the sun and planets, you have to understand you have astrology and you have astronomy. Those are two different things. Astronomy is the study of that. Astrology is when people use that and they they try to look at it in in a spiritual way and, and see how it defines their destiny and stuff like this. This is where you get horoscope reading and Certain aspects of tarot card and a whole bunch of other stuff in the New Age movement deals with that. Astrology is bad. It's it's Christians should not be dabbling in astrology. Uh, the stars don't determine your destiny. Jesus Christ does. And whether you and your free will choose to live in sin or walk in his ways and commandments, that determines your destiny. But he has a plan for you and God does not want you to deviate from his plan, his plan is holy and perfect, and you have to trust him, and you, that takes, you know, takes a lot, but it's worth it, and you can count on his word in order to trust him, so it doesn't take that much, but it does take a lot, because you have to not listen to the voices of the world around you, or of unclean spirits, or the flesh, anyways, let's keep reading, all right, um, Verse 17, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Notice that God is constantly dividing light from dark. This is uh, symbolic when you read the Bible. Light is his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Christ, kingdom of God. It's light. The Bible says the saints The church, which is not a building, it's a living organism. We are the children of light. The Bible calls God the father of light. He's also called the father of spirits, um, holy father, stuff like that. When it mentions the dark or the darkness, it's referring to Satan's kingdom. Satan is not the strongest fallen angel. He's not the most biggest, baddest fallen angel, but he is their leader us as Christians, we follow Jesus Christ. We call ourselves Christians. Christian means follower of Christ or a little Christ. Christ means anointed one. He is the one we follow. Therefore, we put his name on us. Sometimes I've heard this from different deliverance ministries that because demons follow Satan or fallen angels follow Satan, who is a fallen angel. Sometimes they associate and label him on themselves, which is very interesting because sometimes when demons get cast out of people, you'll have multiple different demons saying that they're the devil when they're really not. It's very interesting. Whole different study. You don't have to believe or you don't have to necessarily believe in that or agree with me. Just cast out demons for yourself and you might experience it. And it is what it is. It's not a salvational issue. But I thought it's worth mentioning because it's interesting and it's dealing with this. We're talking about light and darkness. Kingdom of light, kingdom of heaven, that's Jesus, right? Kingdom of darkness, that's Satan's kingdom. There's two different kingdoms. If you're saved, meaning if you're a born-again Christian, you're in the kingdom of light. If you're not saved, meaning by default you're an enemy of God. If you have a reprobate mind, if you are are in the occult, or any of those things, you're automatically in the kingdom of darkness. When someone gets saved, they are translated into the kingdom of God, the Father's dear Son, Jesus Christ. They are translated, meaning they're transitioned. They they go out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. This is all about a war. You are in a war. The thing is, what are you going to do? Are you going to be on the front lines as a soldier or are you going to be just, you know, a bench warmer? There's no bench warmers in the body of Christ. We don't just sit around, uh, waiting for things to happen, watching other people be busy. No, we're all supposed to be about our father's business because we are in a war and Jesus Christ is our great commander. We are called to assignments. I'm not a soldier, I've not been in the military, I did not do military service, I'm not a veteran, but on a spiritual level. We all have a mission. We all have an objective. We all have weapons. And if you're not saved, you are a weapon for the enemy. If you are saved, you should be a weapon for Christ. Amen? This is deep stuff. A lot of you may or may not be able to handle that. But let's keep going. Verse 19. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moves, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. It says later on in the book of Genesis that Adam named the animals. Now, he doesn't speak English at that time. He doesn't speak Spanish he speaks a different language that we don't have on the planet right now. People call it an Adamic language. It's a language of mystery. Some people like to believe it's a combination of many languages. I don't know. Some people even believe it's Hebrew because people can't really trace Hebrew if you study language back to its roots. We don't really know. People say uh, when you learn in history class, they say all culture started in Mesopotamia, which is really where Abraham comes from the land of Ur, also where Job comes from, from the book of Job. In any case, most of the Bible happens in the Middle East. And a lot of those Middle Eastern languages, they're very ancient. And it's very interesting to think about that. And as far as animals are concerned, these early animals may have not looked like what me and you know today. Like the first whale that God created, it may not have looked like what whales you see today look like. What do I mean by that? Because when you go to school and they teach you about dinosaurs and different things like that, uh, that's a whole different teaching in itself. Dinosaurs, more than likely, yes, they were real. But when it comes to the carnivorous dinosaurs, the ones that ate meat, that may have been ones that fallen angels uh, with men have created in Genesis 6. But originally, all animals were herbivores and human beings. They They were all eating plants. But then after the flood during Noah's time, God said, we can all eat meat. So any Christian trying to force you to be a vegan, they're not reading the Bible correctly. God had hit the holy priest eat roasted lamb. I like some roasted lamb. Um, If you don't like it, more for me, right? Let's keep reading. Verse 22, and God blessed them. Only God blesses, no one else. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Notice that word kind. You have mankind. you have animal kind. It's just a species. It's another word for species. After his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Also on the kind notion, when you study uh, evolution science in school, they tell you that we came from a big bang theory. And they tell you that um, through the process of evolution, people have evolved from single cell organisms into giraffes and people and elephants and rhinos and unicorns and everything. But um, when I say unicorn, unicorn is a rhino in the Bible. But the reason I mention that is because it's not logical and it's not biblical. The Bible says everything that is a kind reproduces its own kind. In other words, when you have a wolf or a dog, they are uh, canines. They're of the dog family. They're of the greater animal kingdom, but the kind is canine. This is why dogs and wolves, they're like cousins. They're like the same genes and bloodline. But nowhere in history, biblically, realistically, has a wolf or a dog transformed into a whale. It's it's illogical. This is why we can prove evolution is not even science, and it's not factual history. Now, if you are in school... And you have to study this to pass your grades. You learn the information that they give you, but you don't receive that as truth. You should know how to think critically and realize it is a lie. But for the sake of passing your grades, pass your grades, learn the information, memorize it, write it down, pass the test. But don't accept that in your heart as infallible truth. Because only God's word is infallible, authoritative, absolute and total truth. Amen? Verse 25, and God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, right? And everything that creeps upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image. Notice that God says, let, let us. There's only one God. But in that context, it says Elohim in the Hebrew. Elohim is a Hebrew word. It means God. It is not a singular word. It is a singular plural Hebrew word. This is referring to the Godhead. What is the Godhead? Well, when we explain Bible, biblical spiritual truth, we have to use biblical words. One of the only words in the Bible that explains the nature of God is Godhead. Triune, that word is not in the Bible. And Trinity is not in the Bible as a word, but the word that it, that is in the Holy Scriptures that refers to the Triune nature or the Trinity, is Godhead. And Elohim is a great example of that in Genesis one chapter one, verse twenty six when it says, "Let us make man after our or in our image." This tells you that, Humans probably don't look that different from God. We have eyes, you have ears, you have a nose, you have a mouth. But we're still talking about God. God is not a human, though. God is a spirit, the Bible says. But God manifested himself. He was born of a virgin, right, as the Messiah, as the Christ, in a way that we could accept and recognize and understand. But there's other times when you read the Bible when God speaks to people and it's through a burning bush, or he speaks and it's through a whirlwind, and things like this. But God is not nature. You see, in in stuff like Wicca, which is a false uh, pagan religion, they believe in worshiping nature, and they believe in nature gods and goddesses and stuff like that, because it's just demons and fallen angels. God is not nature. God is not the creation. He's the creator. In the New Testament, it speaks about people worshiping the creation rather than the creator. This is what leads to people being reprobate. This is what leads to people being fascinated with evil when they don't when they worship the creation. Don't worship the creation. I thank God for holy angels, for waterfalls, for a sun shining in the morning. Uh, sh- uh you know that bright elegance on my face and the heat and the warmth that I feel on my body from the sun. It's awesome. But I'm not going to worship the sun. Okay. The Egyptians made that mistake. Let's keep going. So God created man, verse 27, in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. There's only two genders, male and female. There's, no, there's not 28 genders. There's only two genders. And I could prove it with logic. You have oh, people who believe in uh, transgender and multiple genders, and they march for women's rights if you don't believe in genders, how are you marching for women's rights? There's only two genders. Your DNA says that there's only two genders. Your DNA literally says if you're a male or a female, if you're a male, you have an Adam's apple in your throat. It says that you're a man physically. If you're a woman, you have a female private part. If you're a man, you have a a male private part. Um, yes, people have been born with, uh, what's the right word, with deformations and stuff like that, but their DNA says what they actually are, no matter what. And it's it's only one of two things that your DNA will say what you are. Okay, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Notice that it refers to man, and it, it says Adam sometimes when it refers to both of them. Because when God addresses a couple, when God addresses a ministry and things like this, he's going to go to the head of that. And God has always put the head of marriage, of ministry, of things in life under Christ as male authority. This is why whenever God goes to address things, he goes to the man. So he, he, he refers to both of them as Adam, just as a side note. Verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. He spoke that over them and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Notice that God said that we have dominion in the very beginning. This is before Adam and Eve sinned. When they sinned, they gave up their dominion to an extent. They gave it up. However, we still kind of do have dominion even in a fallen world. This is why human beings have created cities. Metropolises, they've conquered the animal kingdom, they have animals in zoos. This is why animals they run from human beings, the deers and stuff like that, because they think that, that we're gonna kill them and stuff. Because men probably will, not that they should all the time just be ruthless and savage and brute, but the fact of the matter is, animals are afraid of you. Now, sometimes us as human beings we have ungodly fear that we have to overcome. And sometimes we just don't want to be touching, like me personally, I don't want to be touching rodents. I'm just, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not afraid of rodents. I just don't want to be touching them. I'm not a fan of, of just like, you know, petting a rat. Right? I'm not into it. But those animals are more afraid of you than you are afraid of them. People say if you show fear, An animal can sense it sometimes. This is what dog owners say. They say dogs can sense fear. I think there might be a level of truth to that. They say when certain things happen... See, I'm talking too much. I don't want to go too deep into that teaching. Let's keep going now. Uh, Verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. Verse 29. It tells you what I just said earlier, how men, human beings, they used to eat uh, as vegetarians or vegan. They used to just eat the herbs and the plants and kale and all that stuff. All that stuff is good for you. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, But there's certain things that they did not eat. If it was poisonous leaves, obviously they did not and could not and should not, would not eat it. Sometimes they had to probably learn this over time. And maybe people have died because they ate the wrong thing. And the rest of uh, the group of people around them, they said, okay, we can't eat that. Um, but when it comes to like pharmakia, which the book of Enoch talks about, it's mentioned subtly, more specifically in the book of Enoch. But when when, when, we, refer, when we refer to Genesis 6 and the fallen angels, fallen angels taught human beings root working and how to make weapons of war and certain things like this. And this is why today in 2021, you have people who take leaves and herb and they make drugs out of it because this is not something that they just thought of out of their brain. This is stuff that was taught to human beings. This is how you have hard drugs on the planet, any type of drug, really, even pharmaceutical drugs. But a lot of the herbs around us, they do have natural healing remedies and properties. But you're not supposed to just, you're not supposed to be doing certain things with these leaves. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Verse 30. And to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, And it was so. After the flood of Noah, people was eating animals and animals were eating animals. I believe when we go to the Holy city of God, the new Jerusalem. Or when we go to heaven, we might not be eating meat no more. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe we will. Jesus ate uh, salmon. He, he had some honeycomb. He had some things. Um, I don't know if he had chicken wings, but he had some things. He was not necessarily a vegan. Uh, when you read the New Testament, God ate animal flesh. I don't know if we're going to be eating animal flesh. I don't know if we're really going to be eating. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for us. It's just something, you know, I think about, you may have thought about. Let's read this last verse, and we're going to close out this chapter with a prayer. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It took six days to create everything. And on the seventh day, God rested it's symbolic. Six days or 6,000 years is going to be all human creation, all human history. And at the seventh day, Christ is coming back. This, this is referring to the second coming. The Bible mentions this later on. It, it's, it's scripture upon scripture, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. But I'm giving you revelation, okay? That's that. That's Genesis chapter one. Let's pray. And that's first episode for today. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Hide this word in our heart. Please forgive us for our sins. Wash us in your holy blood, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Help us to be like you. Help us to follow you. We love you. You're the God of creation. We acknowledge you as creator, and we worship you rather than the creation. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.